Decisions can't be made on emotions, yours or anybody else's. Decisions have to be made and based on principle. Here we are hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Welcome, I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor of Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois, in which I pastor with my husband Rodney. Let's jump right into decisions, building our lives, uh, part two. Amen. And so I stepped into this at the last uh, episode, and we're going to continue on. And this is a four-step process to living the good life that God has prepared and made ready for us to live in Christ. Amen. So building our lives is all based on decisions. And when it comes to making decisions, decisions cannot be made on emotions. Your emotions or anyone else's emotions, they must be made on principle or based on principle. This is so important um, because many times I can say as a pastor, you know, you you stop to make a decision and you are thinking, oh, how's so-and-so going to feel about this? What's that's going to, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, we, we can't actually, or even what, what I feel like, you know, I make decisions sometimes. I don't really actually care, um, to make that decision. Um, but it's a decision that has to be made that I know must be made. It may not be easy to be made, but it has to be made. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever leans on trust in and puts his confidence in the Lord is safe and set on high. You know, one of the things that I I saw, I always thought that's how church was supposed to be because that's the only only way I knew. I grew up in a denominational church, with it, which there's nothing wrong with denominational churches, but the one of the things that I found is that that the churches were ran by um, a committee or a board. Um, I'm not exactly sure, and, and to be honest, m- much of the time, the people that were on that committee or that board, um, if they were Christian, they weren't solid Christian. There wasn't much spiritual about them. And, I, you know, at, as I um, stepped out of that world into a world where some denominational uh, concepts were not controlling um, the church life that I was involved in. And then I realized, um, I don't think that board was called to preach and teach the Word of God. I don't think that board is called um, to be accountable for the spiritual life of the people in that church, but that pastor was called to be accountable for the spiritual life and to help people in their church grow to increase the church and for the perfection and the equipping of the saints. And so I realized a lot of things. And so m- many decisions were made and, and churches have a hard time growing when people who aren't even very spiritual that have no sight of any kind of vision or mission that they're on um, from the Lord are making decisions because their decisions are made on people's emotions. 
you know, things like this that, that would split churches, the color of carpet you put in your new sanctuary or the color of paint that you um, paint the walls or, you know what I mean? Um, just, just stuff like that. Decisions made by what people think or feel instead of made on principle. And, and there's, and it's that way in life in general, but I've definitely seen that in church and over the years you know, I've learned that that's not how church is intended to be. And so it's important that we understand. And it's not just that. It's it's even in life and in families, decisions have to be made. You know, in, in a home, um, you know, Rodney and I were actually talking about some stuff and we were talking about the ministry, but as well as our home, you know, and it basically boils down to, when it comes to decisions um, in our home, Rodney and I talk about things. He'll get my insight or, and ask me what I think or, or whatever, but he's the one that's going to actually have to make that final decision. He's the one that has to de- determine, and it can't be based on his emotions or mine or what I feel or what he feels. It has to be based on principle and what he can sense that God is, is saying at that time and at that moment, right? And it's same in the ministry. I, I have to make decisions based on what God has said and what God has instructed and what I know is right, not how it's going to make people feel. I have to do what's right, not what people are okay with because the reality in your in your life, um, people aren't always okay with decisions that you make. Many times I've seen this cause issues in, in marriages because one or other of the spouse spouses is still, is still very, um, dependent upon their parents, um, say in their life. And, and they were, they look to their parents instead of, you know, where the Bible says a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. You know, now this husband and wife come and they're now a unit totally independent of their parents' homes and where they came from. And they have to make decisions based on um, what God has told them and what he's called them to do, you know. And you, we can't just, you know, People stay in a church because their family's always gone to that church and that's where their parents go and that's where their grandparents go. That's that's not a good reason to stay um, in a church. People won't move out of a city or a town or a state because, well, that's where my family is. That's not a good reason to stay there. You've got to be where God wants you to be first and foremost, where there's a living, thriving, Holy Ghost, uh, Bible preaching and teaching, soul winning uh a church, right? And, and in that you got, God will provide an amazing um, job and, and career uh, for you to provide uh, also for your family, but you got to be where God wants you to be. You can't make decisions based on the motions of people that might be involved. You have to make decisions based on principle. And it's so important and you can't get trapped in the fear of man, because you're afraid of what so-and-so is going to say or what they're going to do or how it's going to make them feel. You're not responsible for people's feelings, you know, and in today's world, you know, everybody wants to glorify, glorify their issues. Everybody wants to remember now we're, we're hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. And let's just say it how it is. 
People want to glorify their trauma. They want to glorify what they've been victim of. They want to glorify the stupid choices they made as if it was God's decision to have them make that dumb choice because they needed to have that life experience to be who they are today. That's stupid and it's not scriptural. All right. Don't glorify and don't, um, you know, doctrinize, if you will, your stupid choices in the same way with even you didn't make a choice as if you really were victimized or you walked through some trauma that it really had that you weren't actively involved in. It's something that occurred or happened um, to you, but we don't, we don't make our life. We don't create our identity off of our trauma or off of what we walked through or even off of the stupid choices that we made in the past. We make our, our identity is based on who we are in Christ and recognizing that God, you may, Jesus may find you in a mess. Amen. But when you come to Jesus, you're not staying in that mess forever. You're coming out of that mess and you're not going to continue to live like that. And you're no longer a victim. Now you're a victor in Christ Jesus. And you may be in a place right now, even as a believer, you're not sure what to do or where to go. I'm telling you right now, you have the mind of Christ and you may not think you know what to do, but if you'll take some time with the Lord, he's going to direct your steps and you have to trust that he'll direct your steps, but you can't make decisions based off your emotions or anyone else's emotions, how it's going to make somebody else feel, or even maybe how you think, because it's maybe it's not easy for you. Maybe it's going to, it's, you don't like change. Well, change is, is a reality of growth. Change is a reality of multiplication and increase in your life. Change is a reality. If you're going to live the good life that God has for you, you've got to be okay with change. And not only do you have to be okay with change, you need to be an agent of change in your life. And as you do that, then you can help other people's lives change. And you have to do things the way you know they need to be done. In pastoring the church for 11 and a half years, I've had many people that have come to our church, other Christians from other churches, you know, that have been in the Lord a lot, a lot longer than I have. And they think they have all the answers and they want to tell me how to do things. And I'm not saying that there haven't been things that people have told me that have been very good and been very solid advice. But the reality is as pastor, I have to do it the way God told me to do it in the way God has made me. I can't be somebody else. I can't stand behind a pulpit, which I rarely stand behind the pulpit when I'm ministering, I'm moving all over the place, but you know what I'm saying? I can't be the pastor that everybody else thinks I'm, I'm going to be just like it's hard for me when I get to ministering the word, as you can probably tell, um, on these podcasts, I get excited and my voice raises, um, uh, in <laughs> uh, amplitude. Amen. And, and I'm sorry if, if you want a, a more um, monotone um, preaching or teaching, you're going to have to find somebody else because I'm just not that person. I get revved up in the Holy Ghost, uh, the passion for the word of God, for God's kingdom, for God's people and seeing people born again and rooted in the kingdom of God and living successfully, no matter what they, they come up against and helping people find what God created them for and helping them step into that. That gets me excited. And I, and I'm not going to apologize that it gets me excited to a place where, where my level raises, amen, that my, um, uh, the amplitude of the volume of my voice raises. I'm not going to apologize 
um, for that. I have to do what God's called me to do in the way he's called me to do it, being who he's called me to be. That doesn't mean that there's not still change that God has to do on me because there is, as long as I'm walking this earth, as long as you're walking this earth, you should always be changing. And God is purifying um, and sanctifying your personality and your character to more line up um, with with Jesus and look more like that. But that doesn't mean we all fit in the same little um, box and we all sound the same and we all preach the same and teach. This is not even possible. God didn't make it that way. God is such a vast, infinite being. You understand it is so multi-sided and multi, multi-faceted that he has to use his whole uh, body to even give us a small portion of what he is like. And so I'm not going to sit back and judge because someone ministers the word of God in a different way than I am. As long as they're ministering the word of God in the anointing power of the Holy Ghost, go for it. I love to listen to people preach and teach the word of God under the anointing. I love to learn from people, men and women that are doing what God's called them to do. But that doesn't mean I want to be like them and you can't be like everybody else. Just because your grandparents made that decision, um, just because your parents made that decision may not, does not necessarily mean that's the right decision for you and your family, right? Um, You may need to move out of that town. You may need to move out of that city. You may need to move out of that church. You may need to go um, to another state. You may need to go to another country. What is God calling you to do? And how is he calling you to do it? You know, though we need to look up to others that are in the body of Christ doing the thing that God has called us to do, we cannot be an identical copy to them. You are most valuable when you are your unique self. A copy and an imitation is never as valuable as the original. You are an original made in the image of God and recreated as God's handiwork and his masterpiece to be who he created you to be. And you do not have to fit in the mold that somebody else thinks you should fit in. And it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. Amen. You've got to make decisions based on principle doing it the way God has instructed you to do it. And God's never going to instruct you something contrary to his word. Don't get me wrong, but he's going to instruct you in a way that fits who he's made you to be, the personality he's made you and the gifts that he's given you because his anointing is going to flow through you through those gifts and talents that he's given you through the personality that he's given you. And he doesn't expect you to be a carbon copy of somebody else. Amen. I want to say again, as I continue on here, the many of the points that I'm going to be making in this building your life and, and that it's our decisions that are going to build our life. Remember, we've talked about already how you have to lay a firm foundation and how you're going to frame your life with your words, the creative force of your words, because death and life are in the power of the tongue, but building your life, you know, you're going to frame your life with your words, but you're going to build your life with your decisions. And we started talking about this in the last episode. And I want to say again, make mention of it here. Many of these points that I'm mentioning are actually points I heard from pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And so yeah, I can't take credit for any originality I said it the last time, rarely probably do any thoughts or anything that I, that I, I minister originally originated with me because I've listened to so much preaching and so much teaching and I've, I've read so many anointed books besides the fact I've read the Bible and I got Jesus's words and really all that I really care about. It's his word that changes people. I can't. Amen. And so I can't hard, hardly separate my thoughts and the things that I minister and preach um, from 
from what someone else has said, because I've learned so much from so many anointed men and women of God. But the points that a pastor Jonathan made on decision-making or were awesome points. And so I felt like why, you know, reinvent something that is already amazing. <laughs> right. So I give him credit, um, but I'm going to minister it the way God told me to minister it. Right. What I'm talking about here and something you know, that I've heard more, more times, uh, many, many times is that, and I can say, to be honest, I found myself in this place more than one time in my life. I've allowed my critics to define me. You cannot allow your critics to define me. Who are they? Who are those people sitting in the peanut gallery, right? Come on. <laughs> in the cheap tickets, <laughs> right? In the cheap seats. They don't define you. Christ Jesus himself defines you. You're walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as your master and your savior. They didn't appoint you. Therefore, they can't disappoint you. Come on now. No man or woman or organization appointed you to the work of the ministry or whatever, you know, whatever it is you're called in life to do. God himself, Jesus himself has appointed you. So no person can disappoint you. So don't allow your critics to define you because this is what I found about most critics. They've never done much of anything in life. If they built anything, it ain't much. And most of them haven't built anything. That's why they sit in the seat of a critic because that's all they are actually good at is cutting people down because their life is so miserable and so lacking that all they think they got to, all they can do is sit back and, and point out how everybody's doing something wrong. Well, at least other people are doing something while you are sitting in the seat judging people that are actually doing something. Amen. So don't allow your critics to define you. Who cares what they say, right? The old saying, I've heard Pastor Rodney Howard Brown say many, many times. I think he says it this way, and I might be wrong. I may be misquoting it, maybe putting more than one thing. He said, the dogs may bark, but the caravan keeps on moving, right? Who cares? If that yipping little chihuahua dog comes up and starts yipping at you and wants to start biting at your heels, just give it a good swift kick with your foot. It's history anyway. Amen. Look at your critics that way. Is that little yappy chihuahua that ain't got nothing in them but a yap that's annoying as all get out, right? And put them in their place. You may or may not have to deal with them. How about ignore them? Most of the time I find critics go away when you ignore them. If you don't give them any fuel for the fire, there's no fire to be burning. Amen. Just ignore them. Most of them aren't worth an ounce of your commentation anyway. Jesus did his mission when he walked on this earth and he paid more attention. Listen, he paid more attention to those who were, who were receiving his ministry than he did to those who weren't receiving his ministry. Did you hear that? Jesus went about his father's business, doing the work, the assignment, and the mission he was given to do by the father. And he paid more attention to those who were receiving his ministry than those who weren't receiving his ministry. So don't allow your critics to put you in a prison. It don't matter what they say. <laughs> They're not the ones that appointed you. Therefore, they cannot disappoint you. Amen. Hallelujah. 
The next point, which that would be technically point number six. I made five points last time. So point number seven is make decisions based on long-term results instead of short-term comfort or, or approval, right? There are decisions you're going to have to make that are not going to be comfortable. And the only way you're going to move forward in life, the only way you're going to move up in life, the only way you're going to multiply and increase in life, in business, in work, in your position, in, in the job you have, um, in finances, in ministry, whatever it is you're aiming for, the only way you're going to be able to increase and multiply is you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You cannot remain comfortable and grow. Growth requires discomfort. Growth requires discomfort. And you need to make decisions based on long-term results instead of short-term comfort or approval. See, many people are actually living their life for, for this present world, not realizing that there's an eternity to be lost or gained because everybody is going into eternity. And that eternity will either be heaven or it will be hell, literally. But too many people are focusing their life trying to gain everything here and now. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus, then he says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? See, here's the reality with God. Anything you give God, including your life, it will come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's going to be more phenomenal than anything you can ever imagine. Jesus said when Peter said, look, look, we've given up everything uh, to follow you. And Jesus said, yes. And anyone who's given up lands and properties and homes and children and mothers and fathers for my sake will receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions and eternal life for the next. You always get better. There's nothing you can give up for, for Jesus that you will not get back better and bigger. Amen. There is nothing. And so it may take, it may take an immediate discomfort and put you out of your comfort zone. It may, a decision may put you in a place where you're at the disapproval of, of people that you love, maybe family members, maybe church members, maybe other ministers, maybe other business owners, maybe employees that work for you, um, maybe your employer, if you work for somebody else, whatever it is, you may have to make a decision that's going to put you in their disapproval. But I'm telling you, if you'll make decisions based on long-term results instead of short-term comfort or approval, you will be the one who gains. Put up a short-term discomfort for long-term success. And be willing to put up with hard persecution for long-term success. You have to be willing to be the butt of other people's jokes, if you will, in life. Because they don't understand. They don't have your vision. Therefore, they're not going to understand. <laughs> 
They don't realize how much you've asked from the Lord. Therefore, they can't understand why you're giving up so much. They don't realize the cost, if you will, of your alabaster box. Therefore, because they don't understand the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. So don't don't worry about that. But be willing to put up with harsh harsh persecution for long-term success. Don't compromise to make every every difficulty go away. Don't compromise to make persecution go away. Don't compromise to make discomfort go away. Do what you know is right and make your decisions based on long-term results. Hebrews 12:11. Let me get there. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You have to discipline your life and be willing to live in discomfort for a period. Be willing to give up. Be willing to lose some things. Amen. And that might include um, people. (laughs) It's okay. Some people can't go with you to the next level. It's just the reality of it. As much as we wish we could carry along with us people that have been with us since we were five years old, it life does not work that way in most instances unless you're just satisfied with something small. I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied with something small. I want to continue to increase. I know that when Jesus returns, he is going to expect an, a, a return a folded return on the investment that he's put in my life. Amen. He's going to expect a multiplied increase on the investment he's put in my life. And I don't want to say, well, Lord, I'm sorry, but so-and-so didn't like it and they didn't like me. And, and it, it just caused me not to just feel like I, I couldn't do that anymore. Well, Lord, I'm really sorry, but my mom did, didn't think that was a good idea. So I just, I just didn't do it. So I'm really sorry about what you invested in me. Um, but, but here it is back. No, you know what he, you know what Jesus said when he gave the parable of the one that took what he was given and buried it and returned it to the master in return, you wicked, lazy servant. I don't want that. Right. My goal is to enter with well done my good and faithful servant. That's my goal. (laughs) That's my goal is to take what God has invested in me, what he has invested and deposited in me and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it in such great return that Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But in order to do that, we have to make decisions based on long-term results instead of short-term comfort or approval. Point number eight. There is a reality to the fact that while you're making decisions based on long-term approval, you do kind of have to be able to look ahead a little bit, right? You've got to be able to see what the obstacles could be ahead. Not that you're going to let those obstacles stop you, but so that you're prepared for them. What could try to stand in your way as you make this decision? Who could try to get in your way as you make this decision? Not because you're going to let that obstacle or that person stop you, but because you need to be planned and ready for it. You know, and many times 
in, in the Christian world, particularly the charismatic, full gospel, Pentecostal-like world, they use the Holy Ghost as an excuse to be dumb <laughs> and make stupid choices. And they, well, well, God will just work it out. Well, not if you don't work it out, sister. Not if you don't work it out, brother. He gave you a mind to be used. It's not supposed to sit there and rot away because you no longer think, right? Use your brain. And so you have to actually, because you're making decisions from point seven with a long-term result in mind, you do have to kind of think ahead of what obstacles could come down. How what are the possibilities of when I make this decision, how will this play out so that you are prepared for what could come your way? Think about how people are going um, to react. Like we had friends that um, started a church, their own church, of, a few months, months back. And one of the things I said was be prepared because other churches and pastors aren't going to like it because you're moving into quote their territory. So you better be prepared, right? One of those kinds of things you need to see how this is going to play out and be prepared because if you're not prepared, sometimes that kind of opposition will knock you off the path and make you lose time and moving forward. Instead, you've got to go back and regain what you already had because you didn't prepare. You didn't think ahead. God gave you a brain so we should use it. Amen. I heard um, something um, that Pastor Jonathan said when he was ministering on this. He says, don't be a reactionary Christian. Initiate, don't retaliate. Initiate, don't retaliate. Don't be the kind of person that has to react. You be the kind of person that people have to react to, right? <laughs> Sometimes I say things when I'm in meetings with, with other ministers or, or people, and I say things and they look at me like, they're not even sure what to do with that. <laughs> they just don't even, sometimes people actually don't know what to do with me. <laughs> you know, be the, initiate, don't, don't retaliate. This is important. Don't be a reactionary Christian. You know, use the brain that God gave you and, and think ahead. Luke, I'm going right now to Luke chapter 14, verses 31 and 32. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. See, you, you need to plan ahead down the road because we are making decisions based on long-term results. Then we kind of need to be able to think these results out and what that could look like. Matthew 24 and verse 43. Matthew 24 and verse 43. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. And I'm going to use this verse to lead into the next point, but I want to finish this point here. You are the house of the Lord and you have to protect your heart. And so one of the things in preparing 
and making decisions based on long-term success and long-term results is that we also preparing what that could look like as we make these decisions so that our heart doesn't get hurt. Above all else, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. Amen. You have to guard your heart. And, and, and Jesus says, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You have to guard your heart, not because you're, you're cautious and, and suspicious of people, but because you're wise and you use your brain that God's given you, right? And the knowledge that you have from the word of God and, and the unction of the Holy Ghost to prepare for what's going to come when you make decisions based on long-term results, knowing that these decisions are going to have a ripple effect, if you will. So we have to think about that. And so taking that and going into the last point I'm going to share with you on building your life is not only do you, you need to think about the results of this decision and maybe how people are going to react or what, what the response is going to be. Um, you know, but you also actually have to think about the potential consequences of your enemy. How will the enemy respond? And I love this. This is the, this is the phrase that pastor Jonathan used and I can't make it any better. So I'm just going to use what he said. If I was the devil, how would I attack me? That's what this, this point is about. If I was the devil, how would I attack me? So this point and the last point kind of go together in a certain extent. So you, you need to put buffers in place for all potential attacks. Be prepared Use your brain so that you don't get yourself into a situation that you have that could have easily been thought out ahead of time and you already been prepared for it. Instead of you now you need a miracle or God to really intervene supernaturally when if you had actually just thought it out, you would have already had it taken care of, right? You have the ability to outsmart the devil. You have the ability to outsmart the devil. Say that to yourself. I have the ability to outsmart the devil. You know, he hasn't changed his tactics in all of his years. <laughs> the devil's tactics are still the same. And if you read in the word of God, you see his repeated attempts over and over and over and over to steal, kill, and destroy. And he always uses the same tactics. You, as a born-again child of God, have the mind of Christ. You can think like God thinks and know the ways of God if you'll plug into the Spirit of God and use the wisdom found in the Word of God and just listen to the Holy Ghost. And going back to some points I made the last time, listen to other people that have done what you're trying to do because they can actually give you points that will help you outsmart the devil because they've been there, done that. And why should you be attacked from the devil um, in that way and not be prepared when they can give you the advice you need so that you can be prepared? Second Corinthians chapter two and verse 11 says this, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. What ultimately the devil's intentions lay down to this. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. But he has schemes, devices, 
wiles is what it calls it here in the Amplified Classic, that he uses and employs these time and time and time again. In um, the New Living, it reads this way, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. You have the ability to outsmart the devil. He should never outsmart you because you are a born-again child of God. You've got authority over all the power of the enemy. He is under your feet. You have the mind of Christ. And in a, amid all things and in every circumstance, you gain a surpassing victory. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. Amen. There's nothing, thanks be to God, who always leads you in triumph in Christ. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got the ability to stand no matter what's coming up against you. You're going to stand. And when that battle is over, you're going to still be standing. And the devil's going to have his tail tucked between his legs, going off just a moaning and a groaning because you done whipped his butt because you outsmarted him and used the wisdom that God gave you and the brain he put in your head to make certain that he could not take you out. Hallelujah. 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 So think when you make decisions in your life. Again, let me use the statement from Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. If I was a devil, how would I attack me? You have the ability to outsmart the devil. Be prepared. Be prepared. Just because you have the Holy Ghost <laughs> doesn't mean... You can just sit back and expect God to take care of everything when he's called you to do work and you need to be diligent about it. Do everything you can to be prepared for every circumstance and situation that might arise out of the decisions you're going to make. Amen? If you'll do this, then you're going to build your life to a place where you're going to find yourself walking walking in the paths and living the good life that God has prearranged and made ready for you to live. And you may be living a pretty good life right now, but I'm telling you, there's more. You have barely even touched the surface of all the goodness that God has prepared and made ready for you, right? Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man all that the Lord has prepared for those who love him, yet the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. He'll reveal it to you. So plug in, make your decisions based on principle, not people's emotions, right? Not your emotions, nor anybody else's uh, emotions. Make your decisions based on long-term results instead of short-term comfort or approval. Make certain that you plan ahead as you make these decisions for long-term results, knowing that obstacles and or people, which can become obstacles, could stand in your way and be ready to deal with them when they come. And likewise, finally, make certain you consider how the enemy could attack you and be prepared because you have the ability to outsmart the devil. Hallelujah. 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 Whoo. I got me excited. I hope it got you excited. Amen. <laughs> well, I'll be dropping a new episode on Friday. Make sure you join me. And we're going to be talking about, we talked about laying a firm foundation. We talked about framing our life. We've talked about building our life. And the next episode is going to be about directing our life. So make sure you join me. Um, for my next uh, episode drop 
on Friday. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you so much for everyone that's listening to this. It is my desire, Father, that I help them hit their life's issues with your perspective. Changing levels so that they don't feel like they're under the circumstances in life, so that they don't feel like they're under the feet of the devil, but know that the devil is under their feet, that they don't feel like they're going down, but they know they're going to go up, that they don't feel like they're falling behind, but they're going to not only keep up, but they're going to be able to run ahead and be a standard for others to follow. Father God, that they don't um, feel like that they're falling back, but they're moving forward and they're pressing on to all that you have for them, Father. It's my desire to see each one of them, Father God, each one of them to truly live in the good life that you have planned, prepared, and made ready for them to live. So I thank you, Lord, that as they listen, I believe faith is coming. I believe instruction, divine instruction, and Holy Ghost direction is coming to them. And I thank you that you will empower them by your power that is at work in them to make the decisions they need to make to build their life. Even now, Lord, some of them are up against difficult decisions and they're not sure. Strengthen them to make the hard decisions, even though it may cause discomfort and disapproval from some right now. Lord, strengthen them to make those difficult decisions, knowing that the long-term results will be worth it. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father, for it. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening. I'll catch you the next time.